Hey everybody, welcome to Dear Warren Podcast, where we do backseat parenting stories, principles, parables, on sharing lessons and passing them down to my son Warren. But most importantly, we just try to have fun. And we hope you do too. This episode, we are featuring our good friend, Nick Malafite. Nick is a family man, people empower, and Jedi Master or Sith Lord. He's not really sure. I really enjoy doing this podcast with Nick. Uh, Jess and I have known Nick for a long time. Uh, Jess has been training Taekwondo with him since she was in grade school. And he and I go way back talking about mixed martial arts. And besides martial arts, in this episode, we also go into him helping people through recruitment. And it gets deep. So please enjoy and welcome Nick Malafite. This is the Dear Warren Podcast. And welcome to the podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Nick Malafite, a uh, friend for quite a while now, especially through martial arts. How are you, Nick? Good. How's everything? Going very well. Thank you for making out on, once again, a more cold weekend, crazy weather, jumping back and forth. How are you holding up with it? Very well. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And we, as before we even got into the podcast, there was a bit of, of just questions of just like, kind of like how like the format of of how podcasts work compared to like other forms of media. This is, this is your first podcast. First correct? podcast. And, and what was your thing? You just kind of didn't, didn't really understand or didn't really know the, the, I don't know, the format of it or well, what was your take on it? And, and you actually like listened to one of your first ones, which was like <laughs> one of my past ones recently. So what did you think? I think that, that it's very interesting for me. I've done mm-hmm. uh, things on TV before and I've done things in print before um, never anything like this before. So, and that's probably just based on my own mm-hmm. technology or lack of technology. Oh, that's always fun. So. We had, we had Allison on before and she was Allison O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really funny because obviously she's the, as, as we were saying in the interview, she's three time, three time, three time Emmy award winning, uh, producer. And then she admits that she just, uh, doesn't really get <laughs> technology, <laughs> especially when like, you know, all with, uh, all like YouTube videos and everything coming out. So, um, as far as this goes, it's more of just like the long form discussion. And we've had plenty of discussions before, um, especially, uh, centered around martial arts. I think, uh, I think we could actually just jump right in, okay. in into that because that's been uh, a huge part of all of our lives, yours, mine, and Jess, and you hold, uh, special uh credit over jess's martial arts career because you can go right into it all right Uh, well (laughs) i I guess we'll backtrack a little bit too in in regards to to jess just to answer that question right off the bat i've known jess since she was 10 years old and um was teaching at the school um on occasion where jess trained under frank visaggio Mm -hmm. and um after frank ended up closing his school jessica has been training with me ever since so you know since she's 10 years old so quite a long time like third grade right third or fourth grade somewhere around there but that's yeah that's a lifetime away amazing and uh you know on on a side note so we don't get far off track with that Mm. uh jess is definitely my highest ranking female black belt what rank uh, is she I've right ever now? promoted fifth degree. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. And, um, very proud of all of her accomplishments and a lot of our female students at the school, as well as, uh, outsiders looking in, um, are always amazed at Jess's technique and also personality demeanor. 
Um, so we couldn't be prouder of Jess. And this is in uh, ITF Taekwondo. We yep. had we we've had Jess talk about it. Uh, we've had Dr. Tim Vandergast on, who also got recently <laughs> promoted to black belt by you, right? Right, correct. And that's uh, International Taekwondo Federation. Yep. Uh, if for those who are are unfamiliar out out there, if you can just give a quick synopsis of that, uh, the factions of it. Yeah, I mean, um, if you think back to uh, the 1940s and 1950s, uh, Taekwondo was beginning to be developed, and uh, it was actually formally named on April 11th in 1955 by General Che. Um, after that time, there were several people who broke away into different factions, if you will, and several people that stayed loyal to the ITF. And then even within the ITF itself, there's been a lot of internal turmoil. When General Che passed away in 2002, um, some people felt that maybe they were the most senior black belt and they had kind of rights or ownership to the ITF name or title. Other people, uh, like myself, followed what we refer to as the bloodline, so General Che's son, um, which you know traditionally has been when things are passed down from father to son. Mm-hmm. So uh, we stayed with the son, and then there were also several offshoots thereof. Um, it, rather than naming all kinds of associations and differences mm-hmm. on that front, the only thing that I, like I'll really say is that there's two things that really separate ITF Taekwondo and the other forms of Taekwondo that are out there. And so one would be, just to get it out of the way, this concept called sine wave, which I had no plans on speaking of today and won't spend oh, a you, long time on. I would but, highly <laughs> recommend going as deep as you want into it, because this is, as we were even discussing before the podcast, it's it's one thing to like think like, oh, everyone just wants like a 30-second thir- like like soundbite. Nah, right. like this... Whoever's listening to it right now, and we love all, all, all our listeners, by the way. Hey, all. <laughs> um, they, I think they have a deep found respect and appreciation and actually a thirst for uh, a good unpacked uh, discussion. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say this. In regards sure. to sine wave, sine wave is basically the scientific use of the body uh, in regards to using your entire body, especially when you're executing, uh, you know, hand techniques where things don't get isolated from only using your hands, but actually engage your entire body. And so we refer to sine wave as a dipping motion. Some people may also call it kinetic kinetic linking. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to, um, you know, if a boxer was to throw a jab mm-hmm. when they shift their weight onto a front foot. Uh, so it's mostly talking about weight shifting and, mm-hmm. and weight distribution. And we have two different kinds of sine wave. We have uh, static and dynamic. So one when we may be standing still and not moving. So we're really incorporating knee spring into Mm. our actions. And then one when we're moving. So your whole body gets engaged into the techniques that we're doing. So, you know, we have a saying, no sine wave, no taekwondo. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, this was a kind of a a dot that General Che put on ITF taekwondo to kind of separate it from other martial arts. Um, and then, so that would be the first point. And then the second point, which I'd probably speak more on is the actual, um, moral culture of Taekwondo. And so when we step back, um, two years ago, I was sitting with president Che, general Che's son mm-hmm. and the current president of the ITF. And he said to me, uh, he said, many people train in Taekwondo. 
Te means foot and Quan means hand and Sul is technique. So his point was many people travel or train in the foot and the hand technique, mm. but not many people train in the dough, which is the art. So we always say that dough is art, technique, way, or method. So a couple of different de definitions. So karate yes. dough, taekwondo. So uh, on the dough, not a lot of people are actively engaged. And taekwondo has its own moral culture. And its own, what we refer to as the tenets of Taekwondo, which are, are a set of beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's the tenets of Taekwondo as well as the moral culture that also separates ITF Taekwondo from all of the other forms of Taekwondo or, or other martial arts in general. And a stronger emphasis in those tenets. And correct? a stronger emphasis as general, <clears throat> or, or as, as President Che said, um, you know, not just practicing the techniques themselves, mm -hmm. the soul, but also practicing living the way of the dough. Mm. And so from a tenant's perspective, you know, uh, and I was thinking about the conversation that we might have today yes. and thought about, you know, from uh, Warren's perspective, mm -hmm. you know, if you could give advice, yes. what kind of advice would you give? And my advice and, and the, and kind of what I've lived by are the tenants of Taekwondo. And so there are five, and the first one being courtesy. And in a very short form definition, courtesy might be meaning to be nice to people, of course, mm -hmm. right? Um, for younger people to be nicer to the generations that have gone before them. Um, it could mean for children to be courteous to their parents or teachers. Um, so I think just having courtesy in your heart, Mm -hmm. Just being nice to people. If if there was, you know, the tenant that kind of kicks it off or leads it, be nice to people. And hopefully people will be nice back in return. Um, but if that's not the case, at least in your mind, you know, you did the right thing mm -hmm. by being nice to people. And, uh, you know, we also expect from our, our children, you know, to, to be courteous to their parents and vice versa for their parents to be courteous to their children. So relationships work both ways, right? Mm -hmm. So then the, the second tenant is integrity. And integrity, I often go into uh, long conversations in integrity, especially surrounding uh, issues like uh, the police today and things like this. But integrity means to tell the truth. And integrity is knowing the difference between what's right and what's wrong and choosing to do what's right. And in an ideal uh, you know, society, everyone would have integrity. People would be honest with one another. Our hopes would be, and, and as having a brother in law enforcement myself, mm -hmm. our hopes would be that our, the people involved in our justice system and our legal system would be people of high character that demonstrated high degrees of integrity. We, we all know that that doesn't happen. We all know that people do abuse power mm -hmm. in, in, you know, in their different ways, but in general, again, just like if we're trying to live by courtesy, if we attempt to live by integrity, we can't always uh, affect other people's actions. But if we know the difference between what's right and wrong and we choose to do what's right, then we're living with integrity. So courtesy, integrity. The next one is perseverance, the third tenet of Taekwondo. Mm. And, uh, you know, we can go on forever in regards to perseverance, but, but quickly said... Of course, to never give up. If you set a goal, do whatever you can to achieve that goal. Um, 
you know, and again, when people live by perseverance, it's really the determination to see their end goals kind of come true and always do what they can to work towards those goals. So uh, perseverance would be the third one. The next one is another one that I could talk about for hours and uh, <laughs> it's self-control <laughs> and self-control uh, is basically using your mind to control your body mm-hmm. might be my own definition of it, but basically it's not letting outside influences kind of come in and affect things in the martial arts. We see a lack of self-control often and more particularly in sparring Mm -hmm. than anywhere else so in sparring if two people are kind of fighting one another and one person hits each other or hits the other person like a little harder and then that person kind of loses control flies off the handle starts swinging for the fences yes uh you know so so having self-control is the ability to understand that accidents can happen And when they do happen, how to kind of respond to that accident in a more proactive way rather than a reactive way. A reactive way, of course, is to try and deck the person that or tap out the person that has kind of infringed upon your safety in some way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. So uh, self-control is a very important uh, part of life. And this is another one. Of course, I'm saying all five tenets are important. And, you know, if I could give anybody advice, live by courtesy, integrity, perseverance, but on self-control also, when we talk about all of the outside influences that come in today, um, whether it's for a child in school or uh, a parent or a person at work, self-control is having the discipline to not let all of those other things that could come in from the outside kind of interfere with your end goal whatever it is at school, at work. Um, And you also do this in regards to your own temperament or your own body. Mm -hmm. So having self-control, especially in times of today with, um, you know, there, there's a a horrible like opioid thing going on and, and with people um, drinking and and driving and things like this. And to me, again, self-defense or uh, self-control carries over, to kind of say, I know when is when, I know when not to do things. Uh, and again, all of that goes to going back and using using your mind to control mm-hmm. your body. So if you're, if you're an adult and you're out at the bar and you know that you've had enough and you <laughs> want another one, self-control is the ability to say, I'm not going to have another one mm-hmm. because I have responsibilities to myself, <clears throat> to my family, to mm-hmm. my children. Um, to, to know when it is when knowing yourself knowing and knowing you're, when you're because self-control well, oh you know they might say for everyone oh two beers is that that's it right. some people don't feel like some people are like oh this quenches my thirst after, right, after right. two beers versus like some one and a half and they're gone yep and so, some six and I'm feeling good yeah, and no you're not nope. so not not in getting behind the wheel you're not so mm. so uh, self-control would be the fourth and the final tenet of taekwondo is indomitable spirit and it aligns really well with the perseverance two things that kind of mean the same thing indomitable spirit uh, is basically saying that you'll find your way around any obstacle that stands in your way from accomplishing any goal mm. so there you have a summation of the tenets of taekwondo courtesy integrity perseverance self-control and indomitable spirit and I feel that if you, if you kind of live your life based on these tenets, which I have, and I would love to see my, my children continue to do, I'd love to mm-hmm. see my students uh, put into their daily practice. You know, if you're placed in a situation, 
you know, just kind of ask, am I, was I courteous in that situation? Mm-hmm. You know, w- did I tell the truth in that situation? Did I, you know, use my mind to control my body in that situation? Uh, so I think that putting the tenants into play, you know, it, it, advice on the martial arts on the mm-hmm. doe side would be to live according to the tenants. Do you feel that as far as the, the, the doe side and this kind of focus on those tenants do you think that focus has been kind of lost in if you would say like modern martial arts or something like a like a mixed martial arts where it's they it it's definitely a lot more about the quote effectiveness you know yeah. after 1993 after ufc oh right. check this out like here's here's quote what works yeah here's how to beat an opponent one-on-one check this out now now like all the uh, traditional things are out here's in with the new right Right. I definitely 100% feel, uh, and, and I love the UFC. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy watching MMA for sure. And um, so I'm not one to uh, take a negative standpoint necessarily on it. it my criticism yeah. would indeed be that the moral culture, things, things that go along with the philosophy mm. of traditional martial arts, which I believe built many of us who have trained as long as we've trained, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely been diminished by MMA. I think we talked about this too. I I think the first time we ever really, I I ever met you obviously, but when, when I was uh, first like dating Jess and then Jess started uh, training at the same kind of like mixed martial arts grappling school as, as me. And then during the first few meetings, um, uh, we would talk and I always remembered like you being very, respectfully inquisitive about about what was uh, what was going on versus like i do recall like some other like traditional uh martial arts schools visiting our schools and it was always kind of like very skeptical Mm -hmm. of of, like what we did but i i definitely recall having great conversations with you and you even you would even ask a question don't you think that there's like maybe like something missing in in that sense of kind of like a uh, a moral code and I thought of him like and I thought back to uh, your example of uh, oh you're in a sparring session and like oops uh, right. we'll, go, we'll go 50% bro we'll go 50% <laughs> and then suddenly boom tagged alright 55% tagged 75 and then the next thing you know we're as you said swing, swinging for the fences I'm like yeah there, pr- there probably is something missing just because of a non emphasis on that or uh Credit to uh, my, my first teacher, uh, Jerry Jones. He also, yeah. at the same time, he he grew up with a traditional martial arts background, too. So those five tenants, I think, are kind of also floated around among all traditional martial arts. And he would always uh, talk about things such as self-control. So it's kind of yeah. like it wasn't on him. It was kind of like on, on the people adopting the style were like, yeah, I don't need I don't need that stuff, bro. I just need to. Right beat someone right that's all yeah and again i mean to to each their own and uh, from a global martial arts perspective i believe i believe in most martial arts Mm -hmm. especially more traditional martial arts that do have more than just a technical piece to what they're learning and and also provide some sort of moral compass for people or Mm -hmm. guidelines you know, uh, in the eighties and nineties, Eki, they had, uh, <laughs> before your time, right. Mm. They, they had, uh, all these, slogans. I was watching karate kid back then. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe I was very well into, into that. Me so. too. <laughs> they, uh, they, they always had this, uh, every marketing 
program that a martial mm. arts school said we teach self-discipline mm-hmm. we teach self-control your kids will be better in school that's right better focus improve your focus and improve your concentration your kids will respect you more and as a parent it's like oh my god that's like uh the, the magic that's candy pill, right that was candy for parents oh my gosh sign <laughs> sign them up where can i sign johnny up mm-hmm. and uh and the, and i really do think that you know today i you know, it was funny coming over, you know, I counted how many MMA schools I passed and, and, uh, you know, I just sit there and I wonder like, what is the moral compass? What is the moral culture? You know, Mm. the things that we, we, that they still say that they're going to do, how do they do it when they're not teaching that back end Mm -hmm. moral culture when it's all about just the, you know, well, here's how you fight and here's how you do an arm bar and here's how you lock somebody up or here's how you, you know, here's how you jab. Here's a jab cross hook. Oh my gosh. How many times can you go to a program and see jab cross hook uppercut jab cross hook uppercut? But what are they really, (laughs) but what are they really teaching that child about focus? What are they really teaching Mm -hmm. about self-control and discipline? So yeah, I think that MMA, um, without offering, some type of Mm -hmm. systematic way of getting those things across that it probably will fall short in the overall development of a person. I can only talk from looking from the outside and and observing the situation, but um, I don't think just, I think Jess has mentioned it once or twice, probably in in her podcast as well, but it is something of uh, it's a humorous situation when, um, I, f- I forgot how long ago it was, but it was at one of our older jujitsu schools after we started taking Brazilian jujitsu and Jess was really into it. I think she was already like a purple belt at the time. And, uh, there was like a guest instructor and they were teaching the lesson and they would start bashing like, Oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. As far as like, you know, those other arts like karate and taekwondo and, and you just, that, Immediately, I just go like, like right around right. Jess, and and I caught her like she was in mid eye roll, just oh this shit. Surprised she wasn't mid kick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it I and I think it's she said something that I I think has yet to like other people have uh, um, harped on where it's like if your martial art is already good enough or if your technique is good enough, you don't have to put anyone else down. I say it all the time. You, you were the one who probably taught it to I mean, well, I yeah. say it all the time, you know, why, why do you have to mix your martial art if it's that good? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a Puritan in me or coming you, or, or out. Even, or just like talk, talk shit about like right, another martial right. art. Like and, that's, and it's not fair because mm-hmm. like from a Taekwondo purists right now, if, yeah. if they're listening to the podcast, what they're going to say is that, you know, General Che combined the best of karate, boxing, and judo mm-hmm. in, into the Taekwondo. So in a, like in a way... You know, it, it's kind of mixed, but not really. And, mm-hmm. and you know, as he developed it and, and uh, internalized it and then spread it. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't look at I, I look at it as a well-rounded yes. martial art. And, you know, again, from the MMA perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's good for the people who are looking to maybe fight in a ring. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, like I said, I enjoy watching it. Uh, but... It's, um, you know, why do you need to mix your martial art if your martial art can stand on its own? True. I think the other discussion we, we got into as well, too, was, was who, who are some of our, one of our, like, more favorite, if we did have to discuss UFC at the time. Yeah. And I always found myself, like, leaning towards, like, uh, the, the mixed martial artists who had a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, background. Right. But then... But then it just turned out that like one of my favorite fighters at the time, uh, Anderson Silva, yeah. was not only a badass at jujitsu, he was also a badass at Muay Thai, right. Taekwondo, right. 
uh, a bunch of other striking arts. Yeah. So it was kind of like, uh, and, and you would see these crazy knockouts that he would do. He would nick, that's the, that's the discussion we had. We had a discussion where uh, at a certain point, especially before the Anderson Silvas came out and, and uh, the Chuck Liddells, yep. we got to a point where, where you, you basically said, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. The like a prototype, just like a like your generic MMA fighter. It's kind of like if you started a video mm -hmm. game and you could start a career mode. It's just like uh, uh, the uh, what overall stats out of a hundred is like sixty. 60 yeah. He's got like average average punching, <laughs> average <laughs> average wrestling. You know, kind of knows how to do an arm bar. Kind of knows how to get out of a rear naked choke. Just yep. you know. But then as you build, you find like, oh, I really enjoy striking. Right. Or, oh, right. I really enjoy the grappling, the, the yeah. grappling. so I'm going to be a little more, more grappling based. And so, yeah, it was, it was just uh, uh, a string of just, quote, generic MMA fighters. Right. Where it's right. just kind of like you could have just switched the name and it just would have been this, even from a spectator yep. standpoint. It was, yep. I, rem I remember it like... Uh, it, either it was announced or like a, cr a critic of the answer is called this is just it's it's just shitty kickboxing right. or or shitty right. like point sparring kickboxing like yep so and it's funny because like from a striking perspective or mma it it's like it's also built for the people who are built that way and also within the confines of the rules that mm -hmm. that it has and often more than not the people who may be involved in even more self-defense oriented arts, mm. especially like FMA from the Filipino martial arts stand standpoint, mm -hmm. you're not seeing them bringing mm. those things over to the ring because you're not fighting with knives. You're not fighting with sticks. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, so it, I mean, again, I think that it's built for a particular person who's got a particular mindset and a particular build even and particularly an intent. ability, you know, and intent, intent as well yeah, too, because intent. those, those rules are, it, as much as little rules as 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 it is, there's still rules. Yep. It's still what is it? Uh, uh, three five minute rounds. You know, yeah, it so depends on what organization now. But yes, or, yeah. or, or, or championship round, and then there's like, oh, you, you can't kick kick for the ground. There's like certain techniques that they they do outlaw, and usually well, a lot of techniques that they a lot of the techniques they, they yeah. especially like the eye, what is it eye gouging? Obviously, yeah, I know, is a no, no eye gouging. Um, uh, Remember in the first UFCs, they I, I think the only two rules was no uh, eye gouging and no fish hooking. Right. So yeah, fish hooking. But everything else went. Yep. They were yep. like like when you people could, are you on could, the ground, could, you can knee them from the side in the head. You can yeah. elbow them on the. <laughs> you could you, you could rapid punch. You you could you could hit the especially since it, it was it was males fighting only back then. You could right. hit them. And they were going oh, yeah. for crotch shots. Absolutely. There's like a like a famous meme of just like a guy just it's looping and he's just <laughs> just imagine a speed bag but slow motion just boing boing. That's like, not Master Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Ken has oh, the best, the best, best. videos on earth. <laughs> he's the best, especially when when uh, I forgot when he would just knock Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't like <laughs> the one-inch punch. Yes, or how many times? One hundred ways to strike the groin. I think is one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, or, or was that the hundred hundred ways to strike the groin, or was that like I'm going to throw a hundred shots in six seconds? Right, that's a good one. Was too. that the <laughs> and then he slowed it down? <laughs> so yeah. Well, I'm glad that. And that's the other thing too. I'm glad when when people are able to kind of like take themselves like seriously, but also at the same time not too seriously. Yep. Um, I think we see that in in UFC as well too, where they've actually are acknowledging that 
it used to be, you know, it used to start up and obviously it was probably because of marketing mm-hmm. more than anything else. We're just like, yeah, we're, you know, this is it. This is the, the modern way of fighting. Everything else is out. And now you're seeing a, a trend, especially with all the later fighters like, yeah, I incorporate this yep. other art into it yep. because did you see, I think I, I was listening to an interview with Tyrone Woodley, who's mm-hmm. the current welterweight champion. And he's like, yeah, I mixed Taiko. How do you think I'm able to throw those crazy kicks that right. you, you got to train you know, in it? You got to train specifically in yep. it as well, too. This is the other question I, I definitely wanted to ask you because, and I was told originally when um, learning grappling, they said that you can get really good really quickly, like really competent really quickly in just straight grappling if all you do is grappling, M- mainly due to the fact that um, if you're uh, grappling, wrestling, rolling, whatever it is, without any strikes, you can go at a pretty hard clip. You can go 80%. You can, you can even go 100% with someone for a, a good while and not get hurt, mainly because of like the, the lack of the, those strikes. So you can get pretty competent in it quickly. I was told... Uh, uh, from my, from one of my original instructors that it takes a long time to get very proficient at striking mm-hmm. due to the fact that it's kind of like the opposite. You can't, you can't spar at a hundred percent at the gate to quote, like get better quicker. Right. And I, I think we were talking about that and maybe you can expand upon it further or maybe um, well, where, where I was hearing that when you do sparring, especially in, in, in boxing, because I heard it from a boxing instructor, you got to do it like, 50%, probably even less. And you got to train with a, a cooperative partner that's going to let you uh, uh, throw your favorite <laughs> jab yeah. cross, yeah. jab cross hook, yeah, uppercut. Jab cross hook, uppercut. <laughs> and to, when I say train with the right partners, it's, it's, it's the one where like, if you tag them by accident, that they're not going to up the ante on you. And then the next thing you know, you're we're once again swinging for the fences. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you have a certain philosophy well, behind that. It's, it's not... It's not going to directly answer your question in regards to the amount of time that it takes to become proficient in striking, because I really do think that individuals progress at a pace. Yes. You know, I mean, person A can take a long time. Person Mm -hmm. B can be athletic, naturally gifted, pick things up quicker. Yeah. But I like I do think from a process standpoint, you you do need a well-rounded program. Um, It's kind of similar to even just if I could liken it to my class this morning, um, if you're practicing hitting air and you, you can get very good at, you know, not hitting anything. And then the first time you hit something, your body is not accustomed to that type mm-hmm. of motion. And so maybe if you're hitting with your hand and you, you actually make contact with something, you hurt your hand. Mm. And uh, so I think that it not as an amount of time, but I think it needs to be a well-rounded program where you know um the teaching methodology kind of reinforces the purpose of the technique we're doing but also the feel of the technique that we're doing the you know the feel on ourselves so what's it like to get punched or kicked Mm -hmm. and the feel for uh our opponent when we punch or kick them and no i don't think there's any way that you can train a hundred percent uh, that way, uh, mm. I think that, you know, training at 70 to 80 percent is probably a lot. And I think that having a good partner is everything, um, you know, just like having a good, good teacher is tantamount to anything. Having a good partner, partner that you could trust, um, you know, also aids in the, the training process from a striking standpoint. So you have to hit air, you have to hit pads, you have to hit shields, you have to hit heavy bags and you have to hit people. So... <laughs> 
In, uh, in no particular order? In no particular, that, that might be a good order to kind of work on things. So first I could do it on the air, then I could do yeah. it on a pad that doesn't hurt, then I could mm-hmm. do it on a heavy bag that offers more resistance, and then I could do it on a moving target. And, and you a know, moving target that'll actually hit back. That'll hit back, yes. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, not striking. Yeah. I think, you know, it it takes a little bit of time and it takes an understanding of what tool I'm hitting with and how I can kind of build that tool up to sustain what I want it to do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, funny story. I was telling Jess today. So, uh, I, I used to love breaking, broke Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Um, and today I put up four boards, which would be easy for me, Mm -hmm. um, in the past. And today I hit the four boards and I looked at, uh, they didn't break the first time. And I looked down at my hand and I said, huh, um, they didn't break. And, you know, I haven't hit anything Mm -hmm. in a while. And so, um, yeah, you know, they broke on the next shot. But Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of that mentality. Like I have to keep this weapon Mm -hmm. in tune to be able to do what I need it to do. And so again, in, in walking away from that class today going, Hey, you know what? I need to build these top two knuckles up again. And I need to make sure that they're not going to bruise when I hit anything Mm -hmm. so that, you know, so that it's there for me when I need it. Watching Jess break is awesome. (laughs) Watching Jess break when she's not in Taekwondo Taekwondo class is even cooler. (laughs) The, the, the quick story I, I like to tell, it was like a couple of falls ago and it was, uh, it was transitioning into winter and we were at my parents' house and they had the, not, uh, what do you, what do you call that fire pit? That's, that's not a fire pit, but it's kind of look like a, a chimney, like chimney, 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 chimney. Okay. Chimney. <laughs> in any case, we were running out of wood and, uh, my dad goes, Oh, I think I have some more down in the basement, but he only had like, like plywood or some like stuff that, uh, to, to work with. And I, I couldn't find the ha- hacksaw. Plus, we were already probably like six beers in, and and it's like I'm not working a hacksaw now. And so Jess was also probably a couple of drinks in. He goes, "Just bring it up. We, we we got this." So she had me hold it, and then and then her. I I I noticed this after watching her test a bunch of times that her. I think everyone has kind of like their word that they like to say right before they hit hard. Or is there is there a oh, term like for a, that? A key up. A key up? Like to just that, pump themselves yeah. up, you know. Hers, hers is sat, S A T, but yeah. like not saying the actual T. It's like sat. I noticed that. Yes. I don't know if you'll ever catch I that. I've noticed it. Yeah. And then Good she call. went sat, and then and, and just the look on like my brother-in-law on his face, who's never seen this before, who didn't know the cable village of chess, and he was like, "That was like that was plywood." I'm like, "I know." <laughs> And then, and then it was, it was even cool or warmer because now we had wood to, uh, <laughs> that warm we could burn fire. warm ourselves up. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the, the other aspect that you were talking about where like, it is different when you, when you were hitting air versus like hitting, uh, uh, pads to it, to then an actual opponent, because it, you just reminded me what happened this past winter. We were, we were working on break falls in, in, in jujitsu. And I, I thought I was getting pretty good. We have some pretty good people who could throw. I remember last year when, uh, uh, my, my teammate Mario, who was like six, two, six, three, and he could, he could, uh, uh drop Saint, something Nage. I forgot the, the, the judo term, mm-hmm. but basically, um, um, I, I see air and then the next thing I'm going to, boom, I got to adjust really quickly. Cause I get, he gets a lot of air on me whenever I'm throwing that, but I'm able to land. Boom. All right. Good. Side break, fall back, break, fall, whatever. All right. I think I'm doing good. I slipped on ice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not so good. <laughs> just a few weeks ago, I'm walking back out of my car. I, I close I close the door and then I'm walking. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm sideways, like, you know, in the cartoon. And the, the brake fall thing doesn't, like, register in my head because usually it's like, all right, I'm, I'm pumped. You're ready for it. I'm ready you for know it. It's coming. Some, someone's grab, grabbing me. I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to get eat it here. This one, and then I just landed, and then it took me a split second to realize, like, I, I, yeah, that looks like cartoon. <laughs> I did not break fall into, like, ow. So, two years ago, I, I did a, a break fall off of the top uh, rung of a ladder, putting oh. the Christmas lights on. Oh, jeez. Yep. And the ladder was uh, on uneven ground. My bad for not having anybody holding. And it was, uh, there was ice on the ground, so mm-hmm. bad enough as it is. Oh, And man. the ladder gave way, and there I was on the top of the rung, putting the lights on. And uh, I did break fall right. Okay. Didn't help my hip at all. Oh, no. Because you're six oh, feet up on yeah, the top yeah, of the yeah, ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Bounced up real quick, looked around at the neighbors, made sure nobody was looking because, <laughs> you know, know, you don't want to be seen as falling off the no. sixth, you know, rung of the, the, the ladder. But yeah, break falling, at least I saved my head. <laughs> I tried once, this was a couple of winters ago and I was getting out of my car and uh, I, I, I got out and then as I closed the door, my feet gave out from underneath me. So I'm still holding on to the door. <laughs> And so I slipped and I'm able to hold on. And then and the, the next two minutes was just, I'm sure I gave the whole like uh, uh, shop right parking lot uh, quite the thing. <laughs> quite the show. Quite, quite the show. Because then, you know, like my feet are slipping. I'm trying to get up. I'm pulling. I fall again. And I, then the next one, I actually open the door and I fall the other way because of the momentum that's swung. Seeing a courteous so, person that was watching yeah. that wouldn't be laughing. They would yeah. try and help you. But most uh-huh. of them just kind of wait back to no, see what unfolds. Back. I, I, was, I was probably on like an Instagram story somewhere, you know, of like, look, just look at this guy. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm glad at least not too many people have have, have seen us mm-hmm. <laughs> attempt to break fall on, <laughs> on asphalt yeah, in public. Um, going from this, this all started because we just started talking about Jess and uh, learning under you, and I think you 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 touched upon uh, a topic that that Jess and I were just thinking of uh, the other day when we were walking through Barnes and Noble. And looking at the books, and she she had always wanted to learn another language. I think mm-hmm. that was like what one of her like uh, New Year's res- resolution things. And she goes, um, um, "Man, I want I want to buy that workbook. I want to buy this textbook. I I, I think I, I I can do this." And then and then I just thought of something. I go, "Hun, when what was the last thing that we ever like really learned or really got into that we didn't have a teacher and we just tried to kind of like self teach ourselves and we." spent a good part of the night like really not like uh knocking on wood and and grinding the gears and we we couldn't really think of anything because of the criteria of like really enjoyed it really absorbed uh whatever new thing and that that was only brought up because as you said it's important especially for like in in martial arts to have kind of like a good instructor slash role model slash something of the sort how i i think we were touching upon that as far as how important that is that I think maybe, maybe today it's, it's probably not as stressed enough or I don't know. What, what more pivotal position is there Mm. than a teacher in any way, in any form, you know, and whether that teacher is a a manager at work Mm. or a leader at work, if there's a difference between a leader and a manager um, or a teacher at school, 
for children. You know, even our, you take any profession and what did they have to do? Take your physicians, medical school, residency, fellowship, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that's as far as they're going to go, it's all teaching. And so teaching is a pivotal part of, of anything. And then why would martial arts be any different? Mm-hmm. So to, to, you know, to me, it's pivotal to find a, a good martial arts teacher that their values align with the student and that they teach in a style that the student is able to comprehend or that the teacher has the ability to identify mm-hmm. which teaching method works best for which students. So are they able to, mm. you know, is this person a visual person? Does this person need to hear it? Does this person need to see it? Does this person need to feel it? Some people need to feel it in order to, you know, to see that it's effective and that it works. So, you know, again, but from a teaching perspective, I can't think of a more important role, you know, from a role model or, or, in any profession is to have Mm -hmm. a good teacher, a good guide, somebody who's gone the way before you and can, can kind of teach you best practices or, you know, I've kind of gone through this and this is what I found Mm -hmm. or the best way to do this definitively is, Mm -hmm. you know, until a workaround or something. So I heard something a while ago where they talked about either a teacher or a leader and they, and they said that a teacher or a leader isn't the type of person that, you know, just, takes the, their encyclopedia of knowledge of like, let's say they have a hundred terms and then they just a hundred terms in Cram downloaded, in. downloaded into the student. They said <clears throat> that the, the, the best teachers or leaders are the ones that can bring out the best in their, in their students. I think that works it, when, in, in the martial arts. Mm-hmm. I, what teacher doesn't want their student to surpass them, mm. you know? It's, you want to see your students thrive. You want to, you know, from a martial art perspective, you want to see them, you know, reach a level. And and some teachers may be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Some teachers may think, well, you know, when I teach them and they're better than I am, they leave me. And maybe they do. Maybe it's time for that student to progress and to to learn more. Um, But at the same time, if as a teacher, you're still continuing to grow and you're still continuing then you still have something to offer Mm -hmm. that student and they're thankful or respectful from the knowledge that you've imparted on them. Therefore they're loyal Mm. to, to you. So, I mean, it could work both ways, but from a teaching perspective, you know, I I would love to see all of my students surpass me and, you know, but uh, it's also going to keep me on top of my game because I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to try my best to keep (laughs) up my, my side of things too, so that there's still always something to offer. And I've seen this in, in other uh, schools where I've seen kind of like, like, like teachers not want their students to surpass them. Bad it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was bad to do. It was a bit of ego, but also at the same time, I think it was, there was probably some like uh, um, business involved as, as well too. Oh, we're I, not I, even going to go down the path today of martial arts as a business. Oh, geez. <laughs> That was it's, actually, that, if you listen to Jess's podcast, she actually goes yeah, into a good, I, good portion of that. I mean, you can get into, hope Mc, she didn't offend too many people with that. <laughs> you can get into, uh, you know, McDojos and uh-huh. McDojangs and you can get into all kinds of business practices, which are solely geared towards a business 
making money mm. and you know if people need to survive is it you know that's their primary source of income mm -hmm. you know they need to do certain things to ensure that they're making a living as well it's when it crosses the line that you know a mm. lot of the purists will kind of mm. you know kind of look kind of frown down upon that and you know, if you're charging every month for another stripe on Johnny's belt and another star, you know, another star on the belt for, for going to the tournament. And I don't, I, did Jess, Jess tell you that uh, story of what she had to deal with? I with uh, uh, there was someone, I think one of her friends out uh, in 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 the Midwest. I, and I'm sorry if you're listening to it right now, but I'm just you you, you can blame it on me. I'm I'm telling you this as Eki. But uh, it was, they signed up and, and it was actually a pretty good plan uh, at, a, at a school. It had like a monthly rate. But then what would happen was that they would charge an extra $75 or something of that sort uh, per star that they yeah. get on the belt. Yeah. And, and I asked, I, I, how, do, how do you get the stars? Is it like merit-based? Is it because like you, you do a certain amount? And it goes, no, it's every two weeks. So it's kind of like, all right, here's $150 every two go. weeks, $300 yep. a month, exactly. extra. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, you have to get a X amount of stars before you can test. And guess what? There's testing fees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's what, um, I remember ba back in the day when, when they, when, when mixed martial arts was trying to like market themselves, like, oh, we're, we're not, we don't have any of that bullshit, et cetera, right, right. et cetera. No but then, fees. but then it kind of like as mixed martial arts grew, it's, it's kind of like, you, did you really expect it to stay just like it? And, and you hear about it now. Right. You hear that there's belts in mixed martial arts now. You know, all and you have to do is a jab, cross, hook, <laughs> uppercut, and you get your next stripe. Your next star. <laughs> your next star. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of like, I, I know you said you didn't want to get, get no. too much into it. And we'll just stop with that, that it's, it's no one is immune from uh, eventually when you have to like make a business out, out of anything. Right. And there's, 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 you know, there's when, when there's livelihood at stake and then you're just towing that line, some things get sacrificed sometimes right. for the better. Sometimes it'd be like, you know what, you are in, in, an incredible student or you're an incredible class. I'm actually eating a lot. I'll eat the loss for, you know, uh, these few months or, or what have you until, you know, things, things turn around. So mm -hmm. hopefully there, there's, there's that aspect of it. The, the, Going back to that aspect of just kind of like those five tenants and how uh, the dough, um, just a quick question, there's obviously Taekwondo and then there's Karate dough. What about the uh, Itsus, like Ninjutsu? Mm -hmm. or, or what is that? Uh, I, I don't have Google Ami available right now. Uh -oh. I'm, uh, and we, we pride ourselves on being a Google-free podcast. I forgot what it is. I know one of them's like the way of, the other one's the art of. Mm -hmm. Is the other one the philosophy of, or I, I, I forgot what I know, usually dough is, is like dough is philosophy, like, art, yeah. way, method, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I, like, I'm not sure on the it's front, yeah. you know, um, are, are, are it's a belief in, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But I only hearken on that because of, um, do you think there's something else under, maybe not even underlying, but when there's a kind of like move away from uh, those like core tenants. I remember one time I, I was talking to this guy. He didn't last at, at, at the school where he, he came in. He, he just really wanted to like hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it was just... Uh, this is jujitsu school. Like, I, I mean, just because you're you're you have a quote, oh, a modern martial arts school, it doesn't mean you don't it, it, you're immune from the these type type of drugs. It wasn't at my current school, 
but he came in just just wanted to hurt people and then it was just kind of like uh dude you do know you have to just like the the modern way of saying self-control without actually saying self-control like dude you got to chill out man you just really got to chill out and the the message you just gave across was was like dude i'm just here to learn how to fight you know i'm not i'm not paying you to be my therapist or anything and then like he didn't last because obviously that 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 type of unhealthy uh attitude it just it's just like poison to it jim it just is not good chemistry and then he eventually went to another school maybe he's doing jab cross hooks until (laughs) to try and work himself uh work on his issues but that type of attitude do you think it's promulgated by just the fact that either um um those services that traditional martial arts offer with five tenants is just not wanted or is it because there are schools out there that are just oh yeah we'll just teach you how to fight and yeah, just send you on your way. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, any entrepreneur that was a student who only wanted to do that, and now with like MMA, that'd be a little bit more prevalent where uh-huh. students just wanted to learn how to kick butt. Uh-huh. And now, you know, now they're teachers. Now they're going to be an entrepreneur. Now they're going to open up a business. So why would their uh-huh. mindset change uh-huh. a lot? So you would, ha- you know, but no, schools don't really have a place for that type of person as a student. Uh-huh. It is, it is affection, like, you know, it's infectious to other students. Uh-huh. So even somebody who was of a good heart and good mind now is associating with this guy, wants to be like this guy or gal. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, you know, now you've got two students acting uh-huh. the same way and now three and now four. And now you have a, basically a school of thugs instead of a school of martial artists. So this was a question that I heard a, a little while back on another pod podcast. And it's more of a question about just people attempting to find, I guess it's going to get a little semi deep, but like kind of like purpose in the sense of where they go to gyms, like a, like a CrossFit or a yoga gym or, or jujitsu or any type of martial arts. And it's almost like that it, it replaces, uh, uh, old school, um, traditions with like church or something like that before. Do you think it's, it's because, because when you were, when you were going over those five tenants, it was like, really like, if you think about it, if you sit down and you think about it, maybe that's why like, there's, there's a philosophy of Buddhism and they, and they, and there's monks that just stick with, with that due to the, their tenants of, of what they have. Do you think it's because that some of these places just offer almost like a complete way of life that, Hey, I don't need anything else. Mm -hmm. So you can also call it a cult. Oh, you can, you want to go deep and you want to go for it. You know, you want to go down on that front, but I mean, it can be cult like it, you know, if the message that's being kind of pounded in there all the time Mm -hmm. and people are buying into the message and then you get the same group of people like-minded invited, you know, yeah. Like-minded. And then in the same mindset, Mm. Then yeah, I mean everybody's kind of following it and everybody's aspiring to it and pumping each other then up. Then it becomes real, right? Yeah. So, and they you could see this in the latest trends in health uh, in in like fitness mm. with like Max programs, which you know are great. I I'm very friendly with the owner of the Max programs and Max programs. Yeah, what so are those? You, you'll start seeing them if you haven't now. So I ha- I've, uh, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so um, originally, you know, a fitness program. At, 
disclaimer, I have nothing to do with the Max. But the um, uh, the founder used to own martial arts schools. Okay. And then found this great fitness and dietary health plan, which if you follow the plan, people have seen some really great results. Mm-hmm. And um, the, you know, the just you can tell by speaking with members that they've they've bought in that mm. they bought into the philosophy that they mm. bought in and it's working mm-hmm. for them and yes so yeah so in whether it's in you know uh, eat clean bro <laughs> like where they, all where these they, different this things works right? really, like, nick you should really do, no nick you should really do this right nick right. nick you should really do this <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> yeah no i mean i definitely think that that you know martial arts can uh-huh. definitely they could definitely be cult-like. You're, you're, and think of what all religions are based on. Um, it doesn't matter what religion. It's a set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. We're believing in these things. We're saying these things. We're reaffirming on a daily basis these mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, living by the tenets is really not very different. You know, in there, as a, as a moral culture, you, mm-hmm. may be, you may also have on top of that a religious conviction, Mm-hmm. You might also have on that a political conviction. Mm-hmm. So now you've got politics, religion, uh, this set of beliefs from this martial art, mm-hmm. all kind of playing into who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes you, what defines you, what do you believe in? And then combined with other people who are also probably asking the same thing and then like, hey, you have the same thing as I do. Oh, we should, as you said, with the with the with the guy that wanted to hurt people, now it's like, oh, now it's two people, now three and it well, spreads. And yep. then... Um, but it sounds like that this max program at least is, is, is oh, kind of very like, positive, very positive. And, and it also sounds like a, like, like another thing where it is, is it kind of like a, a CrossFit as well too, where it's building its own culture yeah. and it's probably going to. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's expanding like rapidly throughout mm-hmm. New Jersey and now other States, Texas. And, you know, I've, I've been watching online the, uh, expansions to different locations, New York and, and, uh, really, really growing. Did we ever, was there anything really like this? Cause you prefaced it by saying that, oh yeah, as, as far as like this spread of like this health conscious culture, was there anything as you were talking about before, back in the, the, the eighties and back then was Billy, there anything? Billy blanks. Oh, I yeah? mean, come on, Tybo. No, Tybo was nineties though. Well, nineties. Okay. <laughs> Tybo, like that would be the, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, Tybo, look at this. They're incorporating martial arts and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aerobics and, you know, anaerobic activity and yeah. look at where, how many people bought into, you know, oh, the Tybo as those. a system. So. I, I, I remember those late night infomercials. And then look at all the P90Xs and all the things yes. that are, you know, like, but, you know, I'm talking look about at how devo- everything shifted online back in the day. No, mm-hmm. I mean, the late night infomercials, like uh, the, the, the devices. I remember uh, the Thigh Master, the Chuck Norris Total Gym. You remember that one? I remember the Total How could how can I not remember the Total Gym? Chuck's my hero. <laughs> and I, I, what else? There was the ab roller. I remember there was something called the ab, the insert something, er, here, where it was like, it, it looked like a wedge with a spring on it. Yeah. And it was supposed to be direct resistance. You pull it into your stomach. <laughs> you're supposed to suck in your gut. You're supposed to just, and, and they did these, and, and I was sold on it. As a fifth grader, I was like, dad, we got to get ourselves this ab cruncher thing. Hand grips. Yeah. Got to get hand grips. And, and, and uh, you know why? Because they had... Uh, and I'm doing air quotes right now, scientists. And right. they showed, oh, look, look what happened. Look at all the muscles that are activated. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> and to- totally hook, line, and sinker into into just like uh, a product versus, as you're saying here, kind of like a really big like health conscious movement where everyone is like, rah, rah, yes, let's get healthy. 
but also at the same time it looks like there's there's outside of martial arts you can i'm i'm noticing just like oh there's factions forming of like eat this way no mm-hmm. don't eat that mm-hmm. oh uh you know work out this way no don't work out this way work out this way everyone's 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 working towards the same goal but it's kind of like in it's it's like infighting it has to be tailored to the person too yeah no matter I, what i was about to say so. that like bottom wh- line is it needs to work for you it yeah and it's it's contextual like mm-hmm. some people can uh let's just take jujitsu some people are, are totally comfortable with getting into the gi and then just getting rolling on the ground getting sweaty with with and uh in in compromising uh situations <laughs> with with other people other people uh, don't do that other right. people uh where, where i found out when i was doing mixed martial arts was i don't like getting hit in the head mm-hmm. i really don't it's at first it was like and I think that too. I think that if you really, really enjoy striking, and especially if you're able to like take a hit, it's kind of like there's a certain personality. There's a certain you have to have something in you in order to like wham in the face and just be like, oh, yeah. versus like, oh man, stop, hit, stop hitting me. Right, right. <laughs> well, I don't know if you have that. No, or, I, I or are you so? Good? I don't mind getting hit. In the head, I, I was about to say like, <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say I'm just so good I don't even get hit. <laughs> You'd have to hit me first. No, no, it's, and out of coming out of the topic of like strictly, which I have to thank you. And, and, and I knew you would be able to talk for extended, uh, uh, discussions on, on martial arts. And I think we've, hey, here's the crazy part with, with, uh, Mr. Nick Malafite, you've only scratched the surface of a, a lot of the knowledge. Hopefully uh, another time we'll, we'll, we'll focus on like another, another part. Maybe. Sure. Maybe about our shoulders, oh. <laughs> maybe about pop, popping our, uh, our elbows. <laughs> our <hips. laughs> um, but there was, a, there was another aspect that you wanted to get into, which r- relates to leadership and, and um, martial arts, the, the, the dichotomy. But how, how did you d- describe it? Because not only are you a martial arts instructor, you, you also work as a re- uh, head of a recruitment, cr- right. recruitment company, right. correct? Yep. For... Um, for 24 years I've been in the recruiting and staffing industry and you know I think that the alignment that we see through both martial arts as well as recruiting and staffing it's really about people empowerment hmm. right so it's really about in in either one of them um, taking somebody and trying to help them to become the best person that they can be. Hmm. And on the recruiting side some people don't necessarily look at it that way. Uh, I've always looked at it as um, if it was, let's talk about just like temporary staffing for a minute. If somebody wasn't working and I had a temporary job for them, Mm -hmm. I'm now able to take someone that's not earning money unless it's on unemployment. Mm -hmm. And I'm now able to, you know, reintegrate them as a productive person. I might even be able to, based on the assignment, we get somebody on a temporary basis improve their pay scale. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hypothetically, if somebody was making $15 an hour and I put them out on a temporary assignment that pays $20 an hour, now I've increased their value from a $15 an hour person to a $20 an hour person. I could also bridge the gap to having someone not work to landing a full-time role at a company where they're providing temporary services. So on one side, we're taking people who are not working and we're putting them out to work. 
on the direct hire search side and, you know, we could call us whatever we like, executive search consultants, headhunters, you know, we're taking people that are at a set level, making a positive contribution to their current employer. And we're introducing their skill sets to our clients who are in need of their skill sets. And more often than not, we're looking for people who are trending up in their career. So we are taking supervisors and we're making them managers and we're taking managers and we're making them directors and we're taking directors and we're taking and making them vice presidents and we're taking vice presidents and we're moving them up to the C-level. So here we're changing lives. So whether the, the empowerment on the recruiting and staffing side is really the ability to take somebody who's, you know, who we can help be more productive mm-hmm. or we can change their life by improving their, their career. And so, you know, I don't know from a, where it goes from a, you know, to kind of bridge it back from a, a leadership standpoint, but certainly from having that servant attitude, you know, that we're here to help the people yeah. on the martial arts side. I'm here to help my <clears throat> students improve in, in, Many people have different goals. I look at it as like from the self-defense side or from the moral culture side. And then on the recruiting side, again, it's empowering people to uh, keep up their skill set, improve their skill set, enhance their their skill set, um, and just help people. And that, you know, we, no matter what anybody says, you know, all the money and this and that, you know, money does help things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we look to try and help people kind of, reestablish themselves mm-hmm. one step up from where they are. Are you seeing like some type of, uh, uh, give not, not the term is not give and take, but definitely a, a kind of a correlation or a parallel between your martial arts leadership, as well as you were saying how you are applying kind of like the student empowerment and also, no, absolutely. I mean, what, what do you think one feeds more into the other or it, it depends con, uh, contextually? It's, it's both the same. There, yeah. there are a lot of sayings out there in the martial arts. We have a, in Taekwondo, we have a pattern and, and the pattern definition or, a, uh, you know, patterns, a series of movements against an invisible attacker. And the definition is basically I can never serve a second master, though I be crucified a hundred times. Right. So this is like saying, OK, well, I can't be in two different places. I can't have two different careers, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I can. So I have got the martial arts side mm-hmm. and I've got the recruiting and staffing side. And I think they equally play into one another. I think that on the recruiting and staffing side, it's helped me relate better to people overall, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, and then, you know, for minimally from a sales side, but just from an uh, interrelation with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in the capacity of. The recruiting and staffing side, I co-chair the New Jersey Staffing Alliance Programs and Education Committee. So uh, along with my um, cohort, Nini uh, Olson, we're the people who are responsible for uh, booking trainers to come in every year for both line staff, recruiters and salespeople, as well as our executive leadership conference, which targets only owners and managers of staffing firms. And so again, in, in... my capacity of being on that committee, it's all geared towards improving the knowledge base of people within the recruiting and staffing arena. So I think it's all connected. You know, mm-hmm. it's this position here, it's the recruiting and staffing. What it all comes down to is serving people and, and improving, you know, um, 
people's knowledge base in whatever field it, that might be in. And it's also, uh, as you said, with, with, with self-empowerment, it's like guiding them along, along the way as well, too. Was was there any particular story where you were just like, man, I'm really proud that like this one went up? Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've trained people on the recruiting and staffing side that own their own businesses now. Hmm. And I've trained people who have been, you know, very successful. Um, just like on the martial arts side, I've trained people who own their own schools. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess both are, are very empowering in their own, you know, in their own right that way and kind of proves it. I'm really proud on the, on the staffing side for the uh, sitting on the committee for the programs and education side of some of the speakers that mm-hmm. I've booked. I've had some really incredible speakers. I, I had the team leader for the Blue Angels mm. come in, which, I mean, uh, Rob did a phenomenal job on uh, the importance of staying in formation, mm-hmm. staying in your lane. Think like the Blue Angels don't deviate, you know, a couple inches this way, a couple inches this way. Everything is steady, eddy. And when they're going into roles or when they're going into certain movements, like just the importance of staying in your lane, staying in your zone, focusing in, um, and I, I think that, again, each time I bring in one of these speakers, I had Brandon Steiner in a couple of years ago. I had uh, my good friend Scott Chesney come in. Brandon Steiner is the owner of Steiner Sports. If you're a Yankee fan or a Giants fan and you're going to want signed memorabilia, it's going to go through Steiner, probably based on who they represent. You're Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Ecky is a Steiner guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, he, you know, Rags. Probably losing a lot of money for nah, that. But Rags anyway. to Riches story, though, about a kid, <laughs> yes. you know, kid delivering newspapers in Brooklyn to being able to successfully sell the dirt that's on a field yeah. on a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, just baffling and amazing. Um, so he was really incredible. And I'm actually in talks, and I don't know if I could pull it off, but with uh, Dr. Jen Welter, who's the first NFL female coach uh, on the Arizona Cardinals. And she and I have had some some good dialogue so far, and I'm really hoping to be able to lock her down within the next week to come to our executive leadership conference, especially at a time now where come on, look what's going on yeah. here with, with everything. And here's mm-hmm. the first female NFL coach and think about what boundaries she's kind of overcome. And yeah. So when you first uh, got here and you were asking a bit about the podcast, you would, you would ask me like, so what's, what, what's kind of like the catalyst behind all of it. And I, I, I gave the answer. I'll probably share it uh, at, at another time with people. I think people have already known a, a, a a lot about how like the uh, what would you talk the origins of of the podcast and how it's based off of warren um comes and then i it made me think back to when <clears throat> allison was was doing her podcast and like all a, you, you could trace it back to the the start of how she was run, doing her marathon running for one of her friends who who had cancer and she just wanted to help and then Back now, back to the present with, with you and uh, wanting to help and bring out the best in in people was was that kind of like the original intent behind your your training in Taekwondo, or what did, did it just sun, suddenly somehow like you went along and then boom like this is this is probably a very good jump off point or I don't know yeah no I mean I like I I almost went into this from the very beginning <laughs> didn't know you know how everything would pull together and. Yes. So on the martial arts side, two, two really great stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the martial arts side, um, I had been taking uh, martial arts very part-time at a local YMCA um, back in the 
early 1980s. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1984, I was in my freshman year of high school along with uh, my friend Bill Slevin, and there was a high school dance. And after the dance, uh, the parents who were supposed to pick us up did not. They actually fell asleep. So it's two in the morning in <laughs> South Amboy, New Jersey, oh, a little boy. bit of a tough town. Uh-huh. And here are two, you know, whatever, 13, 14 year old boys uh, waiting on a street corner mm. and um, car pulls up, four guys get out and Bill and I took a beating. So hmm. the no, not many people know this story at all. So the intensification of martial arts training came after that event in mm. saying, I never want to feel like I felt that night. Four f- guys that were of driving age, they all popped out of cars, you know, the driver, everybody popped out, laid the beating on us, got in the car and, and left. Police came, you know. It was just um, a beating though. What, was there anything oh, no, stolen? Nothing. Just, no, just, no, it was just, just a beating. A, just a, we're going to get out and beat up these two kids. So, uh, so I remember feeling that I'm never going to feel this way again. And that's when I threw into mm. the training. So that's, that was the catalyst really on the martial arts side of intensifying training, more particularly on self-defense, more particularly on, you know what, I'm never going to feel this way again. Hmm. Some other time we'll get into the next two or three um, fight stories Mm -hmm. and how they turned out, Mm -hmm. all positive, Mm -hmm. but all based on that initial event. And so then on the, on the flip side, on the, on the staffing side, um, I had, uh, graduated from Seton Hall with a degree in psychology. I was going to graduate school for, uh, my master's in forensic psychology. I actually had a double major at Seton Hall in psych and criminal justice. It's combining the two in forensic psychology at John Jay in Manhattan. Did a year of the program, decided school is not for me. I was done with it. And, um, so then I basically was trying to figure out what am I going to do? with my life. Like I know I wanted to teach, but what am I going to do as far as paying bills in a career? Mm -hmm. So, uh, my wife, Donna had, we went to Seton Hall together. She gave me this name of a staffing firm in East Brunswick, New Jersey, Lorelei staffing. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you go in and see if they could help you find a job? I walked into Lorelei staffing and I met, uh, one of the recruiters there who said to me, you know, I think you'd be a really great fit in this business. I'd like to introduce you to the owner. Hmm. So I met the owner, Lorelai Germain, and 24 years later, I'm the managing director of Lorelai Staffing. Hmm. So it's, um, you know, neither started off in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think with going to school for psychology, there was always the want to help mm-hmm. people. I think that in, in, landing the opportunity at the recruiting firm, I think from there it's, you know, over the past 24 years that I've been in staffing that again, it's been like, it just because of that, maybe initially is what I wanted to do, but had no idea that recruiting would be a a vehicle to do that. Mm -hmm. And so as a vehicle to do that now, I can't tell you how many people that I've placed and, you know, helped in regards to their careers and on every single level, from a clerical person to a physician and executives all in between over these years. Mm-hmm. So that's still hitting me because you said it like once or twice. And I think everyone is who 
has ever felt extremely vulnerable at, at one point or another. And, and that's just, you know, putting it lightly when I say the term extremely vulnerable of uh, kind of like being a catalyst for a lot of, it's like, a, it's, it's like the, the quote biggest struggle. And due to that, as you said, you never want to feel like that again. Nope. And so you take a, a, a turn, you take like a, a, a drastic, you take, Maybe not drastic measures, but it definitely starts that snowball effect to, as you said, never feel that way again. <clears throat> Think about it from the recruiting and staffing side, too, mm. and dealing with people who uh, have been terminated. Mm. There, there, are, there are people who have been terminated for bad reasons, and there are people who have been let go based on a downsizing, companies mm -hmm. moving out of state, mm -hmm. companies declared bankruptcy. I mean, and these people are out of a job. Right. So even there on that side, it's, it's the empowerment. It's, you know, bad things happen to good people. And mm -hmm. now how can we make a better situation come about because of the bad situation that you went through? How did that, how could it make it stronger? How could we help you make it turn into a stronger situation? I think that happened to me on like one of my very first job interviews coming out of college. To be fair, the whoever recruited or placed me, not your company, but whoever recruited, recruited or, or, or placed me, put me into the wrong position. Yeah. I was a, uh, I, I was looking for like a front end, you know, design uh, job, but they put me into a, a back end web design job, and it was the most, un, it was the most uncomfortable thing right. ever. But like, I saw what they were paying in relation to what I was, I was looking for, and I'm like, hmm. So two things, I was like, all right, I definitely have enough computer science knowledge to like start thinking of that. And then number two, I never, even though it, it wasn't like, it wasn't the job I was, I was, I was training uh, or, or um, in schooled to, to get, it was still like, now I know what it feels like to be in, in, I think it's everyone's worst case scenario interview, being there and like unable to answer anything. Right. Go into the technical interview and just going not not one for four or or like two for six, oh for right. oh for like a century, right? And just sitting there and just trying to pull up like and trying to essentially BS my way or you know, and you could see that the the like as I was answering the questions, my interview was just like, huh? And he looks at looks at looks at my resume, looks at the thing. He goes, I think you're I think you've been placed for the wrong job. I'm like. Kind of. So he, he sits back and goes, well, I don't know. Tell me more right. about like, you know, and then by the end he goes, he goes, listen, you're, you're, you're really sharp at, at, at what you do. I hope, you know, they, they place it. Just, just keep, you know, don't think that this was like uh, a totalist because he could see it on my face and like the sweats right. and, and, right. and everything. This is, you know, one of the first job interviews out of college. So that notion of, of what you said, and I'm going to do, watch this transition I do here. <clears throat> As far as saying, <laughs> as far as saying, I never want this to happen again. So I am going to, you know, study up as much as possible. Or in your case, you're saying, I never want this to happen again. I am going to uh, train harder than I ever have before. <clears throat> and in Anakin Skywalker's case, ah, the good transition, yeah, you very like that smooth, one? very mm. smooth. He never wanted that to uh, uh, for for his for his mother for his for uh, Padme. Never wanted another person that he uh, loved to ever die again. And he was going to do whatever it took. And um, I don't think he counted on uh, uh, Disney purchasing his backstory and then like <laughs> wrecking it. But yes, we're going into it, folks, because you've had a month to see, <laughs> and it you've already. been waiting for it, haven't oh, you? <laughs> I have. Been, I have. I have been waiting for this of. 
it, it holds a special place in, in your heart, I, I think, more, more so than mine, because you grew, you, this was your childhood. My first exposure to Star Wars was actually, I, I watched it out of order. I just turned mm-hmm. it on one day, kindergarten, and I was watching uh, the Yoda training scene of Luke in uh, Empire Strikes Back. So I was like, what is, what is going on here? And then, obviously, that immediately followed with the face-off between Luke and Vader, and like my poor little mind couldn't... I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew it was awesome. Right. As uh, going from... I'm like, Karate Kid, you suck. You don't have a lightsaber. But this is... <laughs> you know? So, just out, out of the gate, I guess. Well, well, what did you think of... And here we go. Here's the part where uh, we can warn all listeners. Uh, you can just probably skip ahead at this point if you don't want any uh, Last Jedi spoilers. Go for it. What did you think? Uh... <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion, but no one's got a, a wrong opinion. In my no, opinion, it's uh, it, it just in regards to Star Wars in general, mm. absolutely true. I completely grew up with it from the inception and in quote unquote air quotes order, <laughs> and so I can only imagine uh, how cool it might have been, but also how hard it might have been. Starting off with uh, you know the training sequence and then and then Vader and oh as a kid you didn't care I, I think you know I would tell stories out of order you know I'd start at the end go back to the middle and then maybe I, I, anyway yeah <laughs> so I mean I would say that in in regards to the last movie mm-hmm. um, you could look at any movie as was it entertaining you know mm-hmm. sure okay you know was it something to watch was it a spectacle was you know some of the CGI or you know was some of that cool and and you could say yes. Mm. Um, for me, it definitely fell very flat as mm. far as a being a Star Wars fan. Yes, um, being totally immersed in the universe. You've mm-hmm. come to my house. When you walk into my house, yes. If you look to the right, there's Star Wars paraphernalia, and pretty much on every level in every room, your kids are coming out in Darth Vader masks. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So uh, you'll you'll find Star Wars related uh, quotes everywhere, and and. So I thought that the last movie definitely fell flat. There were some scenes in the movie that I just uh, mm-hmm. couldn't and can't still come to terms with. Yep. Um, so like Princess Leia. The zombie Leia a, scene. Zombie, yep. you know, flying back to the and opening the door and, and this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, I didn't mind so much uh, the, the kind of final scene of the ending. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that that might have been the end of the sequel you know, like, or, or the end of everything. End of this trilogy. End of the whole trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that'd be fine with me if that was the end, Mm -hmm. because it kind of brought closure, although it leaves some minor, I don't want to use the term minor characters of like Princess Leia and Chewie still being around, but Mm -hmm. you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, Luke's gone, Han's gone, Vader's gone, you know? Uh, so I think that, uh, it was entertaining, but I just wish it was redone. I'm looking forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it's it, you know kind of goes back to where the Force Awaken was, and yes. I kind of hope that it, in a in a very creative way, quells some of the things that you know might have happened, and um, we'll just have to see where it goes. I I also was not very impressed with the fight scenes in mm. this last movie, especially the part with uh, Kylo Ren. And, and Snoke and oh, Ray. Oh, yeah. Well, so, what was it about it that it, just... It's between just the way that it was shot, 
with just what I thought was some uh, like a little bit of flukiness with the with the play. Uh, I, th- I just think probably Graham, when she drops the lightsaber and, and transfers it to the other hand. You no, know, that's all right. But I mean, I think prior prior movies have done a better job. Okay. Prior Star Wars episodes have done a better job at the realism mm-hmm. of things, and then just I mean, just the ending of of Snoke. Yep. To me, it wasn't enough. I mean, it took Vader lifting up the Emperor. Yeah. And you know getting electrocuted and throwing him down a shaft. And, Spoiler alert for know, Return of the Jedi people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if, and if you're not there, I don't know if you should be listening. No. But, but I mean, the, uh, like, I just thought that, you know, just to mm-hmm. have this kind of, okay, that's that. Not enough for me. And, uh, you know, I thought that that could have all been done better. Mm-hmm. But I, but as I said, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the series in general, and mm-hmm. I'm looking you forward to, to the last succeed. one. Of you course, want, I you do. want to see it succeed. Yeah, you love it. You you've grown attached to the characters. I mm-hmm. cried when Han died. I don't. I'll be so the first I. to say it. I don't. You know, I, I was tearing up. So, like I knew that it, it was like, oh, here my, we go. My my stepfather spoiled it for me oh. prior to the movie. But I, oh, but it, oh. you know, okay, I knew yeah, it, yeah. but it didn't affect me the way that it affect me actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you have to think back to 77, 87, 97, right? 2007, 2017. How many, how like, many years is that? But how, Eight, yeah, nine, 30 years. I mean, look how long you're going. 30. Might be 40. 40. <laughs> yeah. So, cause I was seven and 77. Jesus. So yeah. So f- like you're looking at an attachment mm-hmm. of 30 plus years mm-hmm. with this character who, you know, has, has always saved lived. the universe, saved Luke, like, you know, has and, always and lived too. Absolutely. There was never any like side lore or extended universe that maybe they did like a what if, but never like official, like, all right, he's done. Right. Right. So, so yeah, it was, uh, It'll be interesting to see where they go with the next one. That the the Han scene, if if we're gonna jump back a movie, I thought it was incredibly well done, especially with the 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 lighting. Um, I thought it was fantastic. The lighting, the bridge, just the way that they the the color schemes, like everything, just made was, it. Well, it was it was Han was bathed in blue light, right? And I think Kylo was bathed half in blue and half in red, or was he yeah, bathed no, all in red? It was a little. It was a little blue. So yeah, they, it, it was like a. It was supposed to insinuate like him and then still the, struggling. The bridge all red. Yep. Right. Like mm-hmm. like you're kind of thinking, mm-hmm. okay, it's red. It's it's mm-hmm. what, who are we gonna equate that to? Yep. And I mean, I also like mad props to Chewie. Yes. Some people have said, like, how could Chewie not do more? And I'm like, are you crazy? He yep. shot Kylo Ren. He goes yep. on a little spree and he blows mm-hmm. up the building. Like yep. he was like an unsung hero mm-hmm. that's been in the movies and that was waiting to come out. And it took, you know, Han getting mm-hmm. killed to like really bring mm-hmm. Chewie out. But I think it solidified Chewie's place. Chewie's always been in there don't get me wrong but i mean it really solidified his place in star wars history yep as to you know and he's still in right so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like okay so and with with the with the latest movie i think i think we had when last uh, i was over we had the discussion where i basically said this it 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 definitely felt more marvel than it did star wars and i think the only way people can understand is if you go back and you watch all like uh the originals or you grew up with uh, kind of the original feel of it all. And, um, um, so let me ask you this. Yes. Eddie, favorite question, favorite character mm. in any of them would be who I would have to say Kylo. Yeah. As far as like how they've been, they, how they have been developing him 
so far. Obviously, they they've invested the most as far as a uh, uh, plot and character development in him, and we see him the most. I don't know. Ray would be a close second. It's just that they've they're still not pulling the trigger on like proper explanation of uh, a lot of things. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to say parenting, but just more more so wielding of the force. <laughs> like uh, where did she get it? <clears throat> where did it come from? Potential, I don't care about because potential. All right, cool. Yeah, she's supposed to be just as powerful of, of Kylo, or maybe even more powerful than Luke. That's really cool. But how is she how is she properly wielding that? Right. Because I think it, it it goes with the trope of like every. Uh, a strong force user let's just say luke he had obi-wan anakin uh also had uh obi-wan well yep. may- maybe that's the key maybe it's because you don't have obi-wan you're not gonna fuck up right, <laughs> so, right. there you go <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the message <laughs> but um yeah th- those two car- what, what about yours your favorite character uh, it's really hard because you know i always look at myself as good at heart but when it comes to the Star Wars uh, movies, I'm all about the dark side. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, Ray Park did a great job. And I think it was far too short an appearance of Darth Maul. Mm. Far too short. Oh, you're short. talking about overall. I thought overall. you meant just the, no, the, just no, the, no, no, the trilogy. Overall, this current trilogy. no, no. I said no, all go of on, them. Go on. Overall. Well, you, you explain. Now I have so, to rethink this. So, I mean, it's... it's uh, Darth I thought, Maul. I thought Darth Maul um, just just the presence and yes. it, but it was too short and Obviously. like vader we've had we've had movies of vader i love vader mm-hmm. vader'd be number two for me right mm-hmm. you know so it but darth maul's time was too short and mm-hmm. to eliminate qui-gon jinn i thought was was very cool like yeah you know for that happening and of course it set up obi-wan very nicely and you know from a series perspective from a i, I loved that storyline mm-hmm. i really did but it was uh, not saying I love the movie, love the storyline. Darth Maul, I thought, was for me, you mm-hmm. know, Vader and, and Darth Maul on that side. I thought Vader and Empire Strikes Back was the <sighs> was was the best. Yeah, I still, you know, Empire Strikes Back is the mm-hmm. best of all of them still. So, why do you think that is? I, I think it's just the the big reveal. Really, <clears throat> I I think you know it, you know ahead of its time as mm-hmm. far as like the. The filming of it, but I I just think it was that one moment mm-hmm. of shock. Obi Wan never told you what happened to your mm-hmm. father. Yep. He told me you killed him. Yeah. I am your father. You know, no! like oh my god. <laughs> talk about yeah. talk about like that. Luke gets his reveal. hand chopped off too. Uh, also, like this is this is what I want to tie back to the Last Jedi, especially that, that you brought it up. Empire Strikes Back. <clears throat> this uh, the, the the past movie that just happened now last year it was kind of supposed to be like a heart like you know right. since it's the middle of the trilogy Empire Strikes Back you had the reveal right mm-hmm. that big twist and reveal which I don't think we really had in Last Jedi that's knock one and then you had like this really dire situation that happened where like Han is now captured and you're like what is going to happen to Han how it's going to be delivered to the huts that didn't really happen they still got away right. And um, um, just questions about like Luke's training. I guess we have questions about Ray's training a little. Some questions about between Ray and Kylo. And that's the that's what you just said right there. That's where it really all rests. Yeah, it roll. It really all rests in, uh, you know, the two of them have this connection. Yeah, you know, through the Force, these conversations that are going on, mm-hmm. and you know, you wonder if they're saving a big reveal. Yeah, for the next one. Is Ray bad? Is Kylo good? We'll either go to one side. What's the ultimate force? Is Kylo the ultimate force mm-hmm. of evil in the universe? What else is out there? Was there anybody under Snoke? Like, you know, and then, yeah. you know, again, 
just on that side while we're on the Kylo front, mm-hmm. you know, we know that he had the Knights of Ren. We know that some of that them were too. killed. Where are the other ones that yep. weren't killed? I, like, but anyway, I, I digress on that. Uh, but it was, it was at the end of Empire Strikes Back, you kind of had direction of where it was going, plus mm-hmm. worry, plus intrigue into what would, how everything would wrap up. This one, sans the Kylo Ray thing, the end of Last Jedi wrapped up too, way too clean. Yeah. In, in my, like, they just yeah. wiped the slate of basically like anything happened. Yep. Cool, anything can happen, but at the same time, it's just like, well, then why do I want to turn, tune in into the last one? Right. I guess just to see this thing. Because you're a fan. Through. Yeah, because I'm, you're I'm a, fan a fan. and you bought in, mm-hmm. and now you need to know. Um, I And I'm not sure if you read a lot of like the the uh, anything as far as the critiques or the online reviews or anything. And I love that stuff. I love diving in. And I love saying, ha ha, you got played, you right. know, of just people getting worked up. And and there's there's people, you know, staunchly defending it, staunchly ripping apart the movie. And, and I can understand why people would, would do yep. both, especially the 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 part about there are just there's just a generation that grew up with star as you said where han was a hero for all of us up until 2015 yeah, yeah. where we got the final closure and in this case in particular because there was also a lot of talk about like how luke's character was handled in in this latest one right. where where now luke everyone every first you know like your first lights are like i wish i was luke you know? right right I think now I, that is gone. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I hate to say it, but yeah. I think Rogue One also ruined it for me a little bit because I loved Rogue, Rogue One. One was awesome. So like yes. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking, well, there's no way that the They're gonna have, next sequential movie yeah. in the trilogy, there's no way that it can't be as good. Yeah, and it wasn't. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So that's I think that the mm-hmm. expectation was like. This is going to be incredible. Yep. And Rogue One was incredible. Rogue One. And so, so it just set even more of like, oh my God, this thing's going to blow me away. And, yep. and, and due to the fact that it didn't blow us away due to expectations. And, and yeah, the, 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 the hand, back to the handling of Luke's character is like, now here's the final, you know, boop, that's the final page of it. And right. just a lot of people like maybe half were like, yeah, I'm fine with it. But then a, a bunch of people who grew up with Luke right. and read the extended universe, yeah. they're like... Yep, that did not wrap up the way I felt right. it. And you got to cater to them because right. they're, they're the, the ones, ones who've provided in, this support the entire yeah. way through, passed it on to generations, mm-hmm. you know, prompted other people, implored other mm-hmm. people to watch it. So, And at the same time, though, I could also understand all the, as I said, it's moving more towards like Marvel and Disney. Yep. It's going to, it's going to start another trilogy after this right. one and they're wiping the slate clean and they're just like you know like yeah we can pay some you know fan service and like pay homage to some of them uh, homage, homage, but then like 80 percent here's the new star wars universe yeah. and you, you and we and feel many of us are just going to go back to the old star yeah. wars universe and be thankful that we had it for all the years that we yes, had it absolutely and you know I, I, and i thank marvel and disney for for taking the the this incredible saga this series and continue it for hopefully warren one day will right will, right. will wake up and and i've i've shown i don't know if jess showed you this this latest one i'll just show you this video real quick of warren wielding a particular color lightsaber i'm so proud of him <laughs> <laughs> may, jess has may the more, red lights shine ever bright has him there has my uh, <laughs> sith lightsaber and he's wheeling it around and just I having, love it. having a ball with it so i love it that's fantastic yep Red but, is a great color. 
<laughs> Especially for someone like Warren. And so, Warren, if you grow up and you, um, Dad, why am I such a troublemaker? I'm like, oh, well, you know, you chose early on, buddy. Or the apple doesn't fall oh, far from the tree. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> no, and, you know, in, it just also in, in closing, too, in regards uh-huh. to... Uh, to Warren, when we were talking about the recruiting and staffing side of my business, one thing that I I have a like two or three things that I tell my staff all the time, and I would close with these kinds of things for Warren. And the first one is that you should always inspect what you expect out of yourself and mm. out of others. So you know, never be uh, satisfied with just touching the surface. Don't be afraid to go in deep when you look at things. So inspect what you expect out of life. And the other thing that I would say is that always remember that there's a certain percentage, whether it's two thirds or around there of promotion in any form is motion. So the word promotion Mm. consists of the word motion. Mm -hmm. And in order to get anywhere next steps up further, be it in school, be it in uh, in a career history, being in a martial art, um, be it in guitar playing, uh, in anything, it's the motion. And so you have to perform the motions. You have to go mm. through the motions in order to get there. You can't expect anything to be handed to you. Ah, taking action. Take action. Motion equals promotion. Mm-hmm. Stagnation, not so much. Equals stag. Equals oh, okay. stag. <laughs> yeah. So, so and, and those would be the things that I would actually, just those two. Just those two. Thoughts to. Very nice. Kind of, you know, implore that he thinks about. And also we, we will be looking forward to, uh, I, I think the next spinoff is the Han, the young Han Solo. Young Han Solo. So. May, uh, May 24th or 26th. I have, I have no idea. It's but one of the two. So. Can't be, can't be as bad as last year. <laughs> no, it cannot. <laughs> but in any case, thank you for the, the, the wonderful wrap up. And, uh, hopefully you were able to, uh, inspect, uh, your expectations of what a podcast is. Absolutely. I, I hope you had enjoyed it. I enjoyed and, it very much. I had no plans on speaking uh-huh. about the martial arts as long as I did, or as long as we did. Oh, it's, sur- it's surprising. So, so too, so I and could not only, go and, on for hours. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the cool part, man. The, the, as you were saying, the inspect, and then uh, kind of drilling and auguring down yep. into a topic and see how, how much you, you can reveal. And like I said, folks, you've, that's only the, the tip of the iceberg. You can spend hours and hours, and I would love to at, at another point, go into hours and hours of any aspect of martial arts or whatever else topic. And here's, here's, a, here's a question to you. How long do you think we... Oh, you probably glanced already. How long do you nah. think it was? I have no idea. Just I didn't, take a, didn't a glance. Guess. I know I didn't want to go over an hour. I'll say two two hours. Two uh, oh hour and a half. Okay. Oh, good. Close enough. Oh, good. You did very well, and I want to thank you, Nick. Thank you, guys. and hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Love you guys. And you got to train UFC, bro. No, you don't. You just need those five tenets of Taekwondo and martial arts, and just to be cool. So we thank you to uh, Nick Malphite for doing the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can get in touch with us at Dear Warren Podcast on Gmail, Instagram, and Facebook. And thank you for listening and all the support. We love all you guys. See you next time with the wonderful Jessica for the Midweek Podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Mm-hmm.